Hello and welcome once again to episode 137 of Code Completion. We're a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So it's uh, been a little bit of a while, but we have some new Swift Evolution updates. Uh, the first of which is init accessors. Um, and it just seems to be something to kind of normalize the magic behind property wrappers. So plus one for me. Yeah, super cool. I wanted to ask you, I uh, so it, 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 yeah, it looks really good. There's one example that I ran into recently on a personal app with bindings where you have to do like self underscore whatever equals whatever. So would this make it so you can just say self dot whatever equals whatever instead of using the underscore to get the go to the wrapped value? I, I believe this... so. It, it allows okay. the wrapper to have a bit more control over like how that's all hooked together. Uh, mm-hmm. So that way the wrapper can do a little bit more when it needs to. Um, cool. I'm not a fan of like all the new vocabulary that's kind of entering with the accesses and uh, stuff yeah. like that. It just makes it a tad more complicated. Uh, but the cynic in me is thankful that I'll get to keep my job as a result of that. So, <laughs> Experience helps, right? Experience always helps. Uh, I, I once joked, not, not really joked, but really like posited uh, and thought about how uh, computing becoming more and more complex and more and more abstracted will like hinder the next generation and their ability to become software developers. Um and I think to an extent that has really played out with the amount of people who don't use computers as their main computing device. In fact, they don't even understand how basics, what we think about basics of yeah. computers, like Windows, files, folder, how any of that <laughs> comes together. Um, and that really hurts when you do want to learn programming because now you're like set back so much uh, with compared to everything else. So. Uh, needlessly to say, like I'm, I'm, I, I, I look at this increased complexity uh, as something that will, in fact, hinder uh, the next generation of programmers who are coming to Swift uh, in one way or another. Though, thankfully, Swift has this idea of like progressive disclosure that kind of keeps mm-hmm. it in check. Like if you're writing your first Swift program, you're not needing to think about writing a property wrapper. If you're curious about writing a property wrapper, you're going to learn about these things. Um, So that's as long as there is good documentation for that, which thankfully Swift, the project has excellent documentation, um, then that's going to, to like make things, make things work out in the end. But um, I do continuously worry, like now that we have a brand new platform that just completely breaks most computing paradigms, yeah. um, like how much of uh, this knowledge are you going to need to have to like know how to code for it, right? Because at the end of the day, yeah, you can make a little Swift UI thing, but it doesn't do anything. So you need to like interact with the file system and then, oh, shoot, what's a user? What's a, what's this director? What's that director? <laughs> like it's, you're just thrown into the depths and you yeah. have the big trombone playing uh, as you realize you're kind of out of your depths, um, kind of figuring out how all that works. Yeah. I, uh, I partially blame Google for the inception of the Chromebook. Although if Apple would have, 
instead taken the education spot with iPads, it probably would have been the same result. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I had computers when I was growing up and actually I think so did all of my si- my younger siblings. But um, yeah, I mean, kids these days just get a Chromebook and they probably don't know what files and folders are for the most part. That's so weird, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, if not Chromebook, it's it's uh, an iPad and they don't. They mm-hmm. potentially don't even know that YouTube is a website, right? Uh, that it's oh a service. It's it's just an app that's on it's there, an and app. you just that's the device for YouTube kind of thing. Um, yep. So I, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting being a parent in, in these times. I'm probably going to be teaching uh, my kids like on computers and have them yeah. like learn about programming at a very early age, uh, assuming they're interested in it, right? Um, yeah. But that's up to me to make it interesting, right? And so that's going to be interesting. Um, but uh, what else is interesting is that there is a new proposal to remove actor isolation interference caused by property wrappers because we're on the property wrapper bandwagon. Why not uh, go ahead and improve uh, some things? And it basically uh, is uh, making sure that you can you can go ahead and write code that makes more sense. Uh, that's my high level summary of what this is, what this means to us programmers. You're writing Swift UI code and it's getting in your way for some reason. This would kind of fix that uh, by saying like, hey, this Swift concurrency stuff, it plays nicely with the Swift UI stuff, which is all main actor. So, yeah, I thought this was really cool. Just <laughs> there's a section in this proposal that says, does this cause actual problems? And it says uh, there are this tweet, this blog post, this entire Swift forums thread. So obviously um, this is a, a fairly widespread problem, so it's cool to see uh, something being done to fix it. Yeah. That said, I don't believe this will do anything until Swift 6. Uh, so right, this yeah. is like a breaking change to the language. Uh, they acknowledge that. They did uh, some some research on mm-hmm. existing like uh, third-party libraries that uh, go ahead and use property wrappers heavily and see, will this impact them? And it turns out, no, it will not. Um, and this can kind of uh, make things just better in the future, which, again, thumbs up for me. Yep, definitely. Uh, in completely uh, other news, uh, there was a surprise update uh, this morning, I think, um, with iOS 16.5.1. Um, and it fixes the infamous camera adapter dongle that was not working with 16.5.0. So if that was you that was impacted by that, you're good now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, there's also an, uh, an update to WebKit. They, um, DMPACT says that it was processing maliciously crafted web content uh, that may lead to arbitrary arbitrary code execution. Wow. I just call it ACE because I watch Zelda speedrunning. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so that's cool too. I mean, we, if anything, going back to our previous conversation, we have thanks to Zelda for bringing the community back to understand how memory management works. Yeah, right? come on, man. <laughs> Watching the pointers go. Come on. Got to get the right angle to get to the right pointer. Yeah. It's an excellent analogy if you think about it. <laughs> That's By awesome. that, a, a very poor analogy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> talking about great analogies, uh, like in the news, Reddit is also set to self-implode in the near future uh, as uh, CEOs make excellent decisions all the time. Um, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's so bad. It's like such a dumpster On fire. End? On which end? Is it bad? 
it's all metal, of it. Right? The whole thing. It's going to explode. The whole thing explodes, not just a part. Um, there's this toot from Key Hingley, which I think is like a perfect way of summing this up. Uh, Reddit CEO who claimed to want to emulate Musk is doing an absolutely smashing job. Uh, that that's pretty good. That that pretty much sums it up. He's pulling an Elon, and it's like kind of somehow worse, which is really interesting. The backlash is. I mean, I guess it was just like for Twitter, we're just like, okay, whatever, we'll move to to Mastodon. All right, see ya. Uh, with Reddit, there's not really like a big alternative. I think there are some like federated alternatives, but Reddit is just so big and they're screwing it up so hard. Um, I just think the way that people are pro- protesting is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, to, so to give some examples, um, our picks uh, just had they were told we need to do as the users want so they added a poll uh, and they said do you want this subreddit to be dedicated to posting pictures of john oliver looking sexy uh and that's exactly what that (laughs) that subreddit is dedicated to um yeah yep our our slash steam is just posting pictures about water vapor so that's pretty accurate accurate. it is accurate So, Gibson art is also John Oliver. Uh, what else is there? There, I think a bunch of them have all kind of gone on the John Oliver train, which is like absolutely hilarious, dude. I th- um, he's gonna be so happy when he comes back. I know. I'm sure they're gonna do some awesome segment on last week tonight about it, which would be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So some people like uh, as a protest for opening the uh, like on. Or making the the subreddits public again, they mark them as not safe for work, even if they're not. Oh, they got so mad that, about that. Yeah, so that they're age restricted. So they're like removing moderators of those uh, subreddits in sort of retaliation. I mean, it's like there's a pretty good back and forth going on between the company and all the the users, which uh, is very. I mean, you can't to see. fire someone you weren't paying. At the end of the day, uh, yeah. so like y- you. You have chosen to anger a beehive of people that do not use your products for any sort of work, right? It's purely entertainment. uh, And you made yourself the entertainment. So that's what it's going to be, unfortunately. And yes, some people do end up using uh, Reddit for like something actually useful, like getting help from a company. Uh, And those subreddits are also like ones that are taking a stance against this. Uh, so those people like just searching Google and getting to a post that they can't really ask any questions like that might hinder them. Uh, but for the most part, um, I think this is just absolutely wonderful that uh, Reddit is kind of like causing themselves to just descend into chaos this way. Um, yeah. It's by their own. Like they made the decision, uh, they were the ones who said the words, and therefore it's happening, right? Yeah, it's they're doom spiraling hard. I think it's so interesting that what set it off was what it was. I don't know. As like app developers, it's like yes, I'm obviously outraged, but like I'm very surprised and like happy that so many people are also like I guess just don't use the Reddit app or whatever, and they're just like, no, we want these apps, uh, and it's just the backlash is so huge. Uh, to me, it seems bigger than um, what was happening on Twitter. So it's cool, though. Yeah, I hope uh, there's a hackers, good resolution. 
hackers have got into this as well. Uh, so Reddit yeah. is is currently being blackmailed for some several millions of dollars and uh, making their app pricing reasonable because it seems like those hackers probably are fans of certain apps. I That's don't know. So good. <laughs> like they're they're using the the illegality of what they're doing to their benefit in two ways one getting to keep the app they like to use and two getting a lot of money so like i'm not here to endorse hacking uh but if you are a dick on the internet and you get hacked as a result of that like when they directly point out why like they are they're mad at you like it's saying something right maybe yeah they're kind of like playing the Robin Hood card a little bit. I mean, they are taking like a lot of money of it, but it's funny and kind of cool that they're like, "Oh yeah, but also give the <laughs> give the third party apps back." So, yeah, it, let's put it this way: it's bad when we were taking the side of criminals uh, in a situation that, yeah, should, like for all intents and purposes, this is this is bad for Reddit users and people who are sure. using this platform, um, and it could potentially put some people in danger. Definitely acknowledged. However, like, I don't know how else to, to think about this when, <laughs> when it's happening right as uh, you were, like, a little negligent with your wording on the internet. Um, so. Yep. Yep, indeed. Um, interesting kind of development in GitHub. Uh, the dependency graph, dependent bot alerts, and advisory database now support Swift advisories. And I actually got some. Uh, so that was really cool. I've, I've only got some from when we were still a part of the Lambda school organization for like a year after we left and I kept getting, uh, you know, web related ones. So, uh, now I got a couple related to, uh, Swift Neo and Vapor. So that was interesting. I'm sure those will be fixed soon. So that's good. Yeah. And in fact, I think those are fixed. It's the projects that are the ones that are like saying, Hey, this release has a problem. So update, oh. um, and it detects all the other packages that depend on that. So mm. if you have a Swift package uh, that is well used, you can go to GitHub right now and click on the Insights tab, um, and you can see what other packages are depending on your package, uh, and therefore uh, might like be on the hook if you have any problems in your own thing. So uh, this is really, really cool to see coming to Swift, um, and it kind of rounds out the ecosystem on mm -hmm. uh like writing packages and having third-party code that's all working together in, in an open source way uh and that's really really cool i think yeah talking about things that are working together uh google doesn't work with itself uh because they constantly kill off everything <laughs> that you might want to use from them um so I'm just I'm personally waiting because I use Google Voice. Uh, though it seems like most mm. companies have killed Google Voice via not accepting those numbers, anyways, because they're like this is from a non-US uh, mm. phone system, so therefore, uh, like we're not going to allow text messages to go to it, uh, which I hate because I don't want to give my phone number to every service uh, yeah. under the sun. Uh, but uh, I so I guess I have very little use for my Google Voice number, which has fun numbers. Um, so that's eventually going to get killed. Oh, well, uh, yeah, but something that they're killing this time around is something that just made a big announcement about having new domain names, which is I, hilarious. Ironic. Yes. Yeah, it's such <laughs> so, weird coincidental timing here. Uh, yep. Google domains is 
winding down following a transition period uh, and Squarespace is taking over the business and assets. So they're just like, oh, .zip and .mov were a bad idea. We're out. See ya. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that was like their last like internal pitch. Like, hey, we're going to do this. It's going to be great. We're not going to like <laughs> we're we're driving some profits for the company. Uh, and it was such a catastrophe. They just yeah. decided it. Why? Who started this Google domains thing? Uh, and are getting rid of it. Uh, yep. The benefit here uh, is dot app top level domains are, I guess, no longer owned by Google. Uh, so that, that is, is nice. uh, a great a great improvement and a huge win for uh, Squarespace if that is the case. I'm just speculating here because who who knows? Um, yeah. But uh, that was like one very weird thing that all of a sudden Google owns dot app domains um before dot app domains even existed uh so uh this is a great improvement in that regard if if this is the case um and i look forward to google squandering any and all public goodwill that they have for themselves because like they do it time and time again um and this is just the end result yeah i am i mean it's like they're so good at killing things that like i wouldn't be surprised if they somehow killed youtube like that would suck and youtube is like the most ubiquitous thing on the resource on the internet but like it's google so it's like not out of the question i don't know I, honestly i think youtube makes them more money than google search at this point that's probably fair so if anything revenue. they're just gonna not have google search anymore which <laughs> To be honest, it doesn't really work very well anyways. And I forgot who said it on Macedon, but uh, they were reminiscing about the days when Yahoo uh, had mm. basically a hand curated list of good websites. Uh, yeah. And maybe that's the future, right? You just have to have a, an index that's maintained by actual humans. <clears throat> Who'd have thunk? Uh, yeah. And that would that would be a collection of, of human knowledge that's easily accessible. I mean, honestly... Uh, there's only a hand, like we can say that there's a, an infinite number of websites. Like honestly, there's a finite yeah. number of websites. Yeah. Uh, and if you have something that you want uh to be seen, like submit it. Right. At the end of the day, that's that's what it's going to come to. Uh, and it's going to be very weird when the EU is going after Yahoo or whatever the new company that's indexing things. Uh, for uh, not allowing this website on their system um, because, like, they didn't want it. Uh, And we're going to go full circle yet again. Um, But honestly, I think that's that's what we need more. More than anything right now is a search system that is just hand-curated at the top level and then just automate the search from that point forward. Um, And we'd probably have a much better system. I will say in the short term, I think I agree with you. Um, but in the short term, I switched to DuckDuckGo like, I don't know, three months ago or something. It's been fine. I'm mm-hmm. pretty fine with it, which is surprising. I thought it would be way worse. But there have been a couple times with like coding related questions that I have gone to Google to like, it, it definitely indexes better, but it's not bad. So 99% of the time I've been using DuckDuckGo and it's been good. So and no tracking and all that. So that's nice. And if you want to go to Google, I think you just do exclamation mark G, right? Uh, and that will kick mm. off your query as a Google search. Um, I didn't know that. That's cool. So 
Quick reminder, uh, DuckDuckGo, you can enable it in Safari just by going to Safari Preferences and just changing your default search engine. Uh, this works on your phone, your Mac, uh, yep. and you can kind of say goodbye to one more thing that Google will... I mean, honestly, they killed it themselves. Google search has been not great yeah, for a very long time, filled with ads. So, um, yeah. Uh, that said, if you happen to search for Codable Data Store on Google... Uh, (laughs) you get nothing but the top 10 and only 10 results that are relevant to it. So uh, a plus on that indexing. Um, But other than that, just go to, go to your other, your other search engines, but codable data store, one word, if you search exactly that, uh, (laughs) it's It's the top result. It's pretty good. Yeah. And there's only 10 other results. So you're not even digging for long. No, no multiple pages. Yeah, dude. Uh, talking about other things that are disappointments, uh, we have uh, <laughs> some macro-related uh, reviews, and these are not provided by Apple because they are uh, not not uh, super super uh, great looking uh, for the most part. There's a little bit of a speed advantage over the Mac Studio. Yeah, um, not surprising. Probably from just a giant fan that's on it. Uh, or it's just a slightly better binge chip uh, than the other one, or it's just, hey, that's the variability between chips. You're going to get a little bit more performance sometimes and not other times, and you're just kind of rolling the dice for for that that best one. So who knows if if that's just the, the, the Mac Pro is actually better or if it's just that one specific one, but Max Tech went and kind of compared everything about it uh and they note that hey uh the the pcie like we thought is all split um yeah. you can basically have one full speed uh 16 lane card which hey if you want to put a 100 gig networking card and ssds you're gonna max it out totally. uh, and that's just those two things um which is a completely reasonable thing to want to put in a mac pro that takes cards right sure um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's an alternative to buying like Thunderbolt enclosures like we have. Just chuck it all in the in the PCIe slots and then you're good. It's It'll be way faster system. because yeah. the Thunderbolt is limited to like 2.7 gigabytes per second um, yeah. for data because the, the video takes ahead um, like the display, the, not display link, but the display port signal takes a minimum of eight and then there's like some overhead that people calculate that i don't know off the top of my head uh and then you're basically left with 2.7 gigabytes uh that's fast but yeah they're i mean your ssds are faster on ssds are way faster yeah Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's interesting i um honestly i'm surprised that apple released it the way they did i um i don't know it's it's just like it feels half-baked like you already have the Mac Studio. That's a good thing to hold you over. If you really need PCIe cards, just buy an old Mac Pro, I guess. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. And it's way more expensive, too. So Yeah. It's it's definitely a head-scratcher of a product. I'm sure some people will need it. Uh, I feel bad for the extra 3000 that they're going to spend just for that privilege. Yeah. Um, not to mention that they are probably spending many thousands more on the actual cards themselves. But... Yeah, uh, like I, I assume those cards travel with them to a new system, right? So it's yeah. like like camera lenses; it's a one-time purchase mm-hmm. um, for the most part. So uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, 
something else that's really, really cool is that the Vision Pro SDK is now available. So thankfully, we didn't record earlier in the week uh, because we kind of lost track of time. Uh, <laughs> and Vision Pro SDK just landed on our laps yesterday. Uh, so uh, that's that's really, really cool. Yeah. Um couple cool things um i'm i i haven't tried it out yet it's downloading right now and it keeps timing out so i've been having to like restart the downloads over and over again which has been not fun, fun. yeah uh but steve trotton smith uh noticed that there's a guest mode in vision os and, and tweeted about it i'm sure other people found it so that's cool um and then as a response to that too someone also said that there's a people tab so you can have like multiple um accounts basically like you do on the apple tv or whatever so uh, that'd be nice, you know, have your own separate apps. I don't know <clears throat> if you can sign into like different iCloud accounts or whatever, but that's, um, you know, I don't know for the $3,500, you only have like one, you could potentially have one for the entire household or whatever. So that'd be nice. Yeah. Um, though if you, if there's just one, then how is everyone going to use them all at once? Um, there goes the joke. For your, that... your creepy FaceTime calls and everything. Yeah. Uh, that said, uh, it doesn't seem like the initial version of the OS supports more than one Vision Pro users, uh, if that mm. makes any sense. Gotcha. Uh, like, if you're in the room with other Vision Pro users, it's not like you can do anything special uh, mm -hmm. with that. Uh, you can interact with them at a distance. So I guess in the same room, it's more or less kind of the same, but it's a little weird because you're going to be hearing them like talk twice and stuff like that. So. Uh, it doesn't oh, yeah. seem to be like the main use case uh, for now. I can see it in the future when these become less goggle-like and more glasses-like that it mm -hmm. becomes something that can interact with uh, folks that are around you. But for this initial uh, like display of technology, it's kind of a single person, you're the only one using it at once kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Though, uh, like you mentioned, supports... Uh, a guest mode so you can hand it over to someone else to try it because right hey free publicity apple uh yep. if you if it only works on one face like no one's gonna like really get get an uh an idea for it but if someone brings it to an office and then everyone tries it probably two more people are gonna get it uh yeah. so that's a smart move on their part um i don't think that the people tab means that you can have multiple users on the one device um like i think it's it's like your contacts uh so oh okay yeah unfortunately uh it seems like it's it's basically a one one person device thing um oh, okay i stand corrected yeah um what's the uh, yeah i was trying to look through the docs and my docs aren't they're being weird um what's the um the like local uh network framework uh you know what Multi i'm talking about multi yeah something um, yeah yeah yep anyway Not remembering it, it. <laughs> it'd be cool to you know have multiple headsets or whatever and like have a game board on a coffee table and you're both playing on it or whatever i don't know you know mm -hmm. there could be some definitely fun stuff Except when there's they... no game board well yes i know that's what i'm and saying there's no coffee table <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know have a volume that you know you can yeah, multiple people with. can interact with. That would be yeah. really cool. Um, and I'm sure some apps are going to pull it off, right? Uh, they're going to be able to kind of figure out some way to do it, uh, even if the Vision Pro does not kind of give much information about the environment to an app. Mm -hmm. 
um, it is uh, conceivable to uh, kind of triangulate and figure out um, some stuff that can be interacted with by multiple people, um, yeah. especially if they're kind of looking at the same scene. From the point of view that they're looking at it, you can kind of figure stuff out. So uh, that'll be interesting um, to see how that kind of pans out. And we can all try it out now because uh, if you have a free Apple developer account, which was previously very limited, uh, it now has access to betas without needing to pay uh, the $99 subscription fee. So uh, Apple basically wants everyone to try out Vision OS uh, and get a feel for it. Um, I think it was uh, Craig Hockenberry who, I don't know, a decade ago was like, come on, Apple, with these NDAs, like, let people talk about uh, these new betas and be more productive. Like, Apple's not leaking any company secrets at this point that are, like, meaningful to keep close. Uh, They are way ahead of, and I think they've learned that. They've learned that they are way ahead of any competition to the point where they don't need to really hide it anymore, right? They are giving themselves more than six months to kind of let people play with this and figure things out. And no one is going to catch up, right? Yeah, it's that's it's nuts like, too. <laughs> the, I mean, the foundations on AR kit and reality kit, like all of those have been public, public uh, for several years now and hardly anyone is really catching up. So at this point, they just don't care, and I'm I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, it's so interesting the way that they do things because like AR headsets have been or VR headsets have been around for I don't know like at least seven or eight years at this point. They just swoop in and just like crush everyone. <laughs> it's like oh, that's the that's the Apple way. So uh, you know maybe slightly limited in this first version, but already it's uh, with the screens and everything, and I'm sure the software as well. Uh, already ahead of everyone. So they're just like, all right, whatever. Um, Talking about how that is being done, uh, there is a lot of human interface guidelines that got updated for Mm -hmm. uh, Vision OS and the Vision Pro um, that I highly recommend you read through. Like we are still reading through it. It just uh, just came out. Um, And that is going to influence how... Uh, folks are going to use this device. And I think that's going to be uh, very important for how you design your apps on the system so that way they can appear as a cohesive unit, right? Um, That's the thing that most new platforms need is uh, similar design language and a similar way for folks to interact with it so that way these new paradigms can start to stick. Um, right. As soon as you have 10 different ways of doing something like on Apple TV, um, then all of a sudden no one knows what they're doing anymore. And mm-hmm. uh, it's not like I think it falls apart at the seams. Um, and I'm not just pointing at you, YouTube, uh, where you have to <laughs> press play after skipping forward or back 10 seconds yeah. or you get lost when swiping because you want to show recommendations like simple things. Come on. <laughs> Um, to the point where like, I got so used to doing that on YouTube and then I was watching the Mario movie, uh, through the Apple TV app because I caught it on movies anywhere. Uh, and I wanted to rewind. So I did rewind, press play and it wasn't playing. And I'm like, what's, what's the deal here? And it paused it. And it paused it because (laughs) I was pausing it because of muscle memory. Gosh. Anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to see that Apple is taking their new platform seriously. Um, 
I, I remember during the during the the keynote, not the keynote, but one of the presentations, they had a big slide that says, "Hey, close button, top left." It does not go on the top right. Uh, I know we put it everywhere on the top right. They didn't say this part uh, on iOS, but it goes on the top left. Yeah. Um. So uh, they are very insistent on on that. Uh, which yeah. they should be because they weren't fine, insistent yeah. for years. And now on iOS, like half the apps mail, if you have a tab open, top left, Safari, top right. It's yeah. like no one is talking to each other anymore. And everyone kind of got infected by Windows-isms because the web got infected by Windows-isms. And now yes. we have closed buttons on the top right, which doesn't make sense, at least for an English speaking language, because you progress towards the right and you don't want to progress into a stop sign. You want to go back to close something. Anyways, uh, there's reasons why it's on the top left. Apple did tons of research to put it there. And Windows is like, we want to be different. So we're putting yeah. it there because they don't want to be sued <laughs> because they stole a lot of uh, NDA stuff. Uh, so fun mm. fact about how the industry evolves. Uh, uh, the top right is wrong. Top left is the way it goes. Anyways, uh, talking about things that are wrong, uh, and I'm just partly kidding here, but just because I don't like Figma. Uh, but Figma design resources are available now if you prefer Figma over anything else uh, to kind of get a head start on designing and mocking up your app. So uh, all in all, this is an excellent thing, uh, and I'm glad Apple finally did it, uh, considering they've had Photoshop and Sketch uh templates for years at this point um yep. so good of them to add figma i wonder if it's because adobe now owns figma and do they did they end up owning or did that i think so out? no i think they uh, bought it okay so it's probably for that reason um what yeah what's interesting is there's also like for the the apple watch there's like adobe xd documents as well on here yeah uh they were experimenting yeah um so yeah, I can't help but think that they'll also add like Sketch and and maybe XD documents. I think Sketch is a pretty common. Uh, uh, Sketch has been been there yeah. for a very long time. I think most yeah. of the templates are available. Uh, yeah, they with are Sketch templates. So though. surely they'll come out with Sketch ones as well, which would be good. Yeah, I'd like to imagine a lot of folks at Apple prefer Sketch to Figma just because it is a native application that's like I'd assume so. running and not just like in an emulation layer in a web browser uh, that's in an emulation layer in an app. Anyways, um, Figma. Mm. Yep. Weird thoughts on that. Uh, yep. But it's available and that's great. Yep. Uh, speaking of watchOS, uh, the, there was talks about allowing third-party watch faces in watchOS 10. It doesn't seem to actually be happening, but there was chatter uh, about it, which uh, would have been, I think, pretty cool. Um, there is a comment on here that, like, I think it got pinned in the... Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. The top comment says, I've seen how Garmin third-party watch faces work, and one major issue is always how they drain the battery. My dad, uh, I love him, but man, he's an Android guy and he's got a Samsung whatever watch. Um, and he also has remarked that some watch faces that he downloads like drain battery more, which I don't know what they're doing in the background, but uh, that's a consideration. I can, uh, I'd assume that if Apple were to allow third-party watch faces, it would be better. But I think their argument for not allowing it is uh, maintainability throughout different releases of watchOS if something breaks. So I think that's a piss poor argument. I agree. Because they, I agree. They need to maintain reliability across the didn't, OS releases for apps. Didn't uh, they like just get rid of carbon? 
completely? I don't know. Um, I think that this is something that Apple just does not want to do now, despite That's having fair. all the tools to do it, right? They have widget kit that can potentially just allow this, like give access to the time and let the time be uh, like, just have it be a modifier that allows rotation or allows uh, translation. And that all of that can be rendered by Apple, not by an app. Yep. Uh, it just has to be described by an Apple once. Uh, and then we have something that works. So this is something that they can absolutely deliver. Uh, it's something that they ch- either chose not to deliver now, which is fine. Um, though, like, when will they do it? It's not like it's, uh, there have and, been huge uh, changes to watchOS over the years. So, like, yeah. come on. Um, but they just want to control what it looks like, and they are controlling it to, to the T. That's all yep. I can say. I mean, it feels re- very reminiscent of the way that iOS has progressed with no background, then, uh, you know, adding widgets, then being able to customize app icons and stuff like it- it'll happen for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I I definitely think like widget kit is the answer to this, right? They have the technology stack to be able to pull something like this off, yep. even without the interactivity, right? Yeah, sure. Maybe like you can add some interactivity. But even without that, like you have everything that you need to be able to pull something like this off. So, um, yeah, until then, you can just turn on that setting that basically says stay on the app that you're currently on and use a third party app that has a watch face like (laughs) screen hidden in its depths. uh, And that got around app review because I'm sure app review is not too pleased about apps that have those kinds of screens. No, Um, but if if such apps do squeak through, then uh, assuming they never need an update, perfect. Um, you too can have something like that. This week's episode of Code Completion is once again brought to you by Bon Voyage. Bon Voyage is a full-stack iOS application development course from Johnny B. With this course, you'll learn how to build both a full iOS client app and an associated React web administration application. The app and site will integrate with Firebase as well as Stripe and Plaid for payment processing. Bon Voyage is a place to book extravagant vacations, and you'll gain the skills to build the iOS app from the ground up and integrate everything you need to provide a world-class vacation booking experience. To find out more and sign up for the course, visit bonvoyage.app/course. That's b-o-n-v-o-y-a-g-e.app/course. And be sure to follow Bon Voyage's instructor Johnny B Codes on Twitter to stay up to date with all his courses. Thanks again to Bon Voyage e-commerce app course for sponsoring code completion. So Spencer, I have a code completion tip for you. Uh, and this is one I, I learned very recently on Macedon. You can use defer in an initializer. And this has the magic property of allowing you to use self for something, like passing it over to another, uh, another uh, instance. Maybe one of your child instances that you just kind of associated. You can just use self in the initializer. That's- that's amazing. I uh, the, his example is just using like view model delegate equals self. That's that's super cool. I wonder. Like I run into that all the time, and I'm like, do I need to? Why did it take us so long after to realize this? I know, dude. So yeah, that's uh, that's definitely going to go in the toolkit. That's amazing. Yeah. So you, defer is like something that you've probably were oh that's an excellent thing to use to like close this resource that i was yep never going to actually use more than once uh like working with like core video or 
uh, file handles or something really obscure. Like defer was the solution to those kinds of problems that yeah. Swift kind of gets rid of for the most part. It's like, hey, just have a closure and wraps things. Like then you don't need a defer um, or just like automatic reference counting and then you don't need a defer. So it's like there were very few use cases for a real defer other than like bridging yeah. C code that can explode in your face. Um, and this is uh, this is absolutely one of them. Uh, and I love that the class is just called sorcerer because you feel like a sorcerer <laughs> when, <laughs> yeah, you're, that's when so you're using this. So uh, A plus to that, uh, Blotzy. Uh, I, I hope that's how you pronounce your name. Um, but excellent, excellent little yeah. tip. Uh, and I'm glad to share it. The comments are all hilarious, dude. My life is a lie. The exploding head. Where's this hack been all my life? So much I can fix. Like every, I think everyone's on the same page of like, oh crap, why didn't we think of this? So, yeah, it's definitely one of those things that like UI, UI kit is much better with this knowledge. Uh, not that uh, we do much in UI kit all the time uh, nowadays, um, but yeah, yep. definitely, definitely a game changer for sure. Mm-hmm. And on this week's uh, mini review corner is back, uh, and this week I have a fun little device to share, uh, and that is this little backpack for a phone. And nice. it's impossible to see on the camera, but this is a Ubiquity device, uh, and this is their uh, Wi-Fi Man Wizard, uh, and their instructions say just squeeze and it pops right out. Uh, but it's a little tiny spectrum analyzer, uh, for Wi-Fi signals. Um, and it comes with a little silicone little backpack uh, that has MagSafe, so you can attach it to your phone. Your phone will say, this device is unrecognized because they use magnets, but they don't use a little chip that uh, mm. says what it is, um, which is fine. Uh, but it attaches via Bluetooth to the Wi-Fi Man app, which is a free download. Um, and it will allow your phone to kind of figure out what other um, Wi-Fi SSIDs are around uh, as you move around. So if you're trying to figure out the optimal place to put uh, uh, um, an access point or uh, like me, want to lock your access points to certain channels uh, so that way you can have many in a dense environment and they don't like interfere with one another, uh, this is a great device for that because then you can figure out what channels are most free uh, in the area that you are. So uh, a very cool little device. Uh, for that in particular. Um, and they have a little Superman of Wi-Fi, probably impossible to see, um, to to kind of... That's that's a little logo. It's Wi-Fi man to the rescue. Um, if you don't want to pay $100 to Ubiquity to do this, you can also use the Airport Utility, which is a long-forgotten app uh, that you can download. Uh, if you go to system settings, just settings, if you go to settings on the iPhone uh, and you search for airport utility, there's an option to turn on uh, Wi-Fi like scanning. Uh, and this allows your iPhone to be a portable Wi-Fi scanner uh, that will give you much of the same information just using the radios that are built into the phone. Only the airport utility app can use this uh, information, which is why Ubiquity had to make a device uh, specifically for 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz. It does not support 6. Um, just just a note. Um, 
So you can do this. The UI is atrocious and falling apart at the seams. Like it does not know what corners are on the device oh, bezel on the airport like, one. Yeah, it's just like not holding up well. But uh, is officially sanctioned by Apple as like, hey, you're in an enterprise environment. You want to figure out how iPhones roam? Use this, um, and that's that's what their help page lists. So, uh, follow a question. I have the Wi-Fi Man app because they use the the teleport feature when I'm not home. Mm-hmm. But does it do more than like the Wi-Fi Man normally? The app normally shows like it's got like the floor plan mapper, uh, signal throughput, latency, without yeah. the backpack. Yeah, so you get a new tab in the middle called Scan. And I don't have it hooked up right now, so this is just okay. what you're going to see. Yep, I don't um, have that. And that just showed up when I turned it on. Uh, I was like, you knew device detected nearby. Uh, and that will basically give you what your access points will give you in the dashboard, where it gotcha. shows you like, hey, these are the spectrum that are around. These are the other SSIDs. These are the channels that are very, like, uh, have have a high signal, uh, mm-hmm. pow- high power output um and these are the the channels that are relatively free um so it lets you kind of uh determine all of that uh via your phone while you're on the move the second thing it does is while you're on the move you're no longer limited by the information that the uh unify like your dream machine or whatnot uh is reporting back to your phone because that's what it would do it would say like i don't know what the phone signal is right now But this is the signal that I see, and this is the speed that I'm getting, so that's what I'm going to send back to the phone and have it show. Um, I see. This allows the phone to have some actual data that it can go ahead and display that's accurate to that location. Um, So it increases the accuracy of uh, things like the floor plan mapper and stuff like that. Um, Cool. But it does not replace them entirely. So it's a different kind of tool. Uh, basically for finding optimal channel IDs, uh, channel numbers, uh, and things like that. So, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. That's that's really cool. Um, and I guess one of the reasons why I'm talking about this now and uh, months ago when I was initially planning <laughs> my whole setup uh, is because these are finally available, as, is, as are most things on Ubiquity Store. So if you have uh, wanted to purchase something and it was just sold out, permanently uh, and yeah. you didn't feel like uh subscribing to one of those lists that will tell you when things uh come back for five minutes before they sell out again uh you can now purchase almost anything that you've wanted to purchase uh that is more or less modern so that's why this is suddenly available they suddenly have them in stock so i don't know if this means the chip shortage finally finished yeah uh and like we are seeing the benefit of it now um like all their all their orders that were placed in the distant future are finally like uh coming up and now they have supply because they can they can do reasonable things again uh i don't know what the story is there uh but yeah if you need it it's available now so a plus there very cool as always i want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week please be sure to follow us on mastodon.social at code completion to know new episodes go live And feel free to toot at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. 
Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also into, uh, interested in the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who's at Spencer C. Curtis. That's S-P-E-N-C-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri, and you can find me at Dimitri Buñol. That's C-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.